Hopefully everybody has an outline that should say the truth about me. So if you want to know the truth about yourself, you might want to grab this especially. Truth about me as spoken from the one that made you, the one knows all about you. His name would be Jesus. And uh, he knows quite a lot about you and he says a lot about you that maybe you didn't know. So we're going to talk about that today and uh, using some of my favorite passages. And uh, what I'd like to do is just start off by, if you see in your outline there, just this little paragraph. Hopefully everybody has an outline. If you don't, you can get one from me. I'm sure if you want to wave or something. But anyway, uh, I want to just read this because these are all, uh, these, fa- these uh, phrases I'm going to read about from underneath, it says the truth about me, are all from the scriptures. And I'll just sort of go over the scriptures a little bit after I say it. But it's kind of nice to see it all in one place, right? So here we go. I am a magnet for God's favor. Actually, it feels like we should say it together, huh? Somebody started doing that. Wow. Well-trained church. Well, let's just do it all together, all right? So there's an outline. Hopefully everyone has one. If you don't have an outline, I can't believe you. That's horrible. You don't have an outline. Sometimes you need that for me because I go a little long. Sometimes you need to know how, how much more you got to endure. <laughs> kind of paces yourself, you know, a little bit. So, I'm a magnet for God's favor, God's creativity, God's wisdom, and God's love. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God gave Jesus for me, how will he not also graciously give me all things? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God causes all things to work together for my good. Therefore, I will be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all the circumstances of my life. Amen. That's all scripture. And so I want to prove that a little bit as we go through some of these passages because uh, a Bible talks about the gospel being good news, and it is good news, every part of it, especially as you understand the whole and how it's pieced together and how it's related to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus and how much God really, really loves us and demonstrates by sending his own son. What then shall we say in response to these things? This is Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us... Who can be against us? Well, that's a really good thing. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And I like that word, graciously give us all things. Because there's some things that were accomplished at the cross that are incredibly meaningful for us. We read about them in Romans 4, for example about the very righteousness that's been purchased for us by what Jesus did for us on the cross. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God that was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So Abraham was his forefather that demonstrated incredible faith doing what God said to do. And he was actually a type of his son who he was about to bring the knife down on. You remember the story because God asked him to give him up, right? But then God intervened. But he didn't intervene with his own son. But it was foreshadowing something that was about to happen, something amazing that God would give his son that by faith and everyone that believes that Jesus came to die for their sins, they would be separated forever from their sins and in fellowship with the living God. So therefore, I am a magnet for God's favor. Favor just can't help find me. If I know Jesus, favor finds me, right? Because I become a forgiver and a giver myself, right? That's part of the lifestyle that you get. God equips us to be this amazing forgiver and giver kind of person because that's what Jesus was and that's what he imparts. Matthew 6, 12 to 15. It's part of the prayer that we pray all the time is, Lord, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, we can pray that prayer because of what Jesus did. And when we sin, it doesn't mean we're, we're always going to be sinless. It just means we can confess when we do sin and God covers it. Covers it with no less than the blood of Jesus Christ. This puts us in a very unique place of favor, by the way, because God doesn't hold anything against us. He, he can't dwell with sin and failure. So the cross takes care of that, but simply our faith in Jesus, what he did for us. Faith is very, very important. Our trust in God that he would do that. We receive him as our Lord and Savior, and he covers us. And so part of the Lord's prayer that he taught us to pray is pray this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we let other people off the hook the same way he's let us off the hook. And lead us not into temptation, or that means testing or trials. Just, Lord, keep us out of trouble, but deliver us from the evil one who seems to always be stalking us. See, there's amazing, amazing repercussions for forgiveness, and it's the blessing and covering of the Lord. The wages of sin's death, it opens the death, it opens the door to so much bad stuff, you know. But when we're forgiven, the bad stuff can't come near, near us. Even when we make mistakes, even when we trespass, we just simply ask God to have mercy on us. And then we're supposed to extend that to other people, which is another part of it. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. For if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So it's so important. I know this is a time of review for a lot of us in the new year as we're coming the new year. Could I just give a hearty, uh, important re recommendation? Let other people off the hook. Amen. People you've been carrying grudges against, people that have done you wrong, people that have sinned against you, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Meaning, let them off the hook. Just let them go. And you can do that by the power of Jesus. It might seem impossible to you. You might be so wounded. But God would never ask you to do something that he doesn't enable you to do. You can let them go. And by this way, while you let them go, you let yourself off. Look, because you're guilty for a whole lot too. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of what the blood of Jesus did. But also it's because we have the capacity to let other people off the hook. That's why God can't stay away from us. We're, we're favored. We're highly favored. We're forgiven. And as we forgive others, His grace is drawn to us in so many wonderful and you can, wonderful ways. Like Matthew 7, Do not judge or you'll not be judged. Wow, that's a big one. It's really hard not to be judgmental, especially when people are ornery and downright unreasonable and even stupid, right? <laughs> Sometimes I want to judge people just for being stupid. But anyway, do not judge... <laughs> Or you know what I'm talking about, right? 
see it on TV every day. Right? Do not, I have to be careful how I watch TV, by the way. I have to get my Bible out and read Matthew 7.1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be measured. And with the measure you use, will be measured to you. Whoa. Okay, that's easy now. All right, I don't want to have that same thing coming toward me that I'm measuring out to this other guy. Because, by the way, I'm not the cleanest, clearest person in the world either. And all of us are in need of this amazing grace that comes through the cross that brings the amazing, amazing favor of God. I think the whole world unconsciously and sometimes consciously is looking for a favor from the big guy, you know. <laughs> I'm not talking about Joe Biden. though the big guy. The really big guy, right? Okay? <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Watch way too much news. <laughs> now here's an amazing. So notice in that word forgive is the word give. And this is what it says in Corinthians, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We don't have to have a warehouse. Oh, but the dividends are awesome. <laughs> Give, and it shall be given to you. That's the smartest thing we ever did, not only for everybody in the community, but for ourselves. When we give and generous, God can't help but put it back on our own head. It's of all the universe. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. As sure as putting a bunch of seed down in a field, you get more back. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Oh, why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. You and Him have a lot of fellowship. If you want to have fellowship with God and intimacy with God, be a cheerful giver. And He'll, he'll feel His smiling, lovely presence on you. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things, listen to this, and all things, okay, this is, this is where the alls come in. I really like this part. All things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That about takes care of it, doesn't it? That's the truth about you. I just told you some truth about you. And it's just part of God's favor. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. You don't have to give to the weak and the poor. It's a privilege. It's an honor. You get to. Oh, my gosh. And, and there's huge dividends back on your head. Now, you supply seed to the sower, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way. Oh, I like that one very much. Every way. Money can't buy stuff. Certain stuff money can't buy. Amen. So what would you like to be rich in? And risk in every way, in your health, relationships with your children and others and wives and husbands and families and health and joy. You'll be rich in every, enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a great passage. So I, I'm a magnet for God's favor. I just have to walk with God, follow His word, and His favor hunts me down, chases me down. Look at Genesis chapter 39. Verses, we'll just read along here, verses 2 to 6 about Joseph. We're going to read through some things about Joseph here for a moment. So Joseph, if you know the story, he gets thrown in jail. But the humiliating part of it was his own brothers sold him into slavery. And then he ends up being the steward over this house, and he does a great job. But then they do him in, lie about him, and he ends up in the bottom of a, a jail. Hebrew boy, minding his own business, sold into slavery by his own brothers and ends up in jail. It doesn't get much worse. How do you know that those jails weren't like nice little jails, pleasant places to live with flowers on the window? 
they were horrendous like they are today, but especially, especially bad in dungeons, that kind of thing. It's a better way to say it. But here's the key thing. The word Joseph, his name means he shall add, which I think is really interesting. The Lord was with Joseph, so even when he was in that horrible place, and I think some of us today find ourselves in some horrible places. We don't feel great about where we're at right now. And maybe it's just kind of horrible. But whether it's kind of horrible or really horrible, Joseph's your man, right? The Lord was with Joseph, so that he prospered, even in that horrible place. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord was, gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From that the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. What an amazing thing that is. He ends up in this household, Potiphar. He's, he's doing well, sold as a slave. And he just keeps on prospering because he's walking with God. Walking, he can't keep favor off of us, no matter what the condition. But then there's this little problem with Potiphar's wife. She blames him uh, for something he didn't do. And he ends up in a dungeon, a real live dungeon. Joseph's master took him, verse 20, and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. By the way, the word Joseph means he shall add. I like that. So all of us are Joseph in this story. He, she, all of us. God wants to add, not subtract. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. You, what goes with your walk with the Lord is abundance in every way. Peace in your heart, peace in your mind, finances, whatever you, you, what would be abundant for you, whatever is important to you. That's important to most people, right? Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were going to find. Now by this time, Joseph, having been sold as a prisoner, could be pretty down about everything. And just when things looked up, he finds himself in this dungeon. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Isn't that amazing? You can bloom wherever you're planted. All you got to have is Jesus. You just have God on your side, right? Because he's the one that brings the abundance. He's the one where the favor rests. So the warden put Joseph... Matter of fact, I think that probably some of you came in. I would be surprised if some of you said this to yourself. You know, I just feel like I'm in jail. I feel, or you could say it another kinder, easier way. I feel like I'm really stuck. I'm just stuck. Now, I won't ask everybody to raise their hand for that one, but uh, Lord, I just want to pray for all the stuck people, of which I would imagine there's more than we can imagine here in one way or another. So this is their story. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He just keeps rising to the top, so now he's in charge of the prisoners. Not a glorious job, but at least he's in charge of something, right? And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Lord, I pray you give us success in whatever we do. Such a great example. Well, it's moving along pretty good. And pretty soon there's some trouble and Joseph's have some dreams and uh, he's made aware of some things and the, the prisoners know it and then some guy gets wind of this, that this guy can interpret dreams. And, uh, and so they decide uh, to bring Joseph to Pharaoh and to interpret the dream. And Joseph does it. And 
So the plan that he outlined seems good to Pharaoh to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Just think about that for a moment in the world. You're working for a company, you're working for a person, you're working, you're on your block, you live in a neighborhood. Can anyone find a person who has the Spirit of God? There's no one like them. There's no one like us. We just have to believe that and understand that. And Joseph had this way of carrying himself, so no matter if he was in Potiphar's house or the prison, he just took over. He just did what he did. He just did his thing with the favor of the Lord on him. And God just added and multiplied, right? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God made all of this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, <laughs> and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne I will be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. Can you believe that? From the dungeon, his second in command. And people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole of Egypt. What a story. I'm a magnet for God's favor. God's favor is all I need. Another reason why that is, which is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 54, because I actually have a heritage from the Lord. It's sort of like heritage. It's a, a, a inheritance, a similar word, but it's sort of an authority from the Lord, a, um, a strong, a strong uh, inheritance, but stronger than that. It's like a, I have authority in the Lord, right? And so look at Isaiah 54:13. This is a promise for all that know the Lord. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Who would like that to happen in your family right now? All right, raise your hand. I declare this powerful word from Isaiah 54, 13. I declare all my children will be taught by the Lord and I declare and great will be their peace. And that word peace is the word shalom and it's a big word. So we have the word peace usually in peace in our mind but shalom is a big word. May you have grace in your finances. May you have grace in your marriage. May you have grace in your family. May you have grace, 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 provision, supply, abundant supply everywhere in your life, including your finances. So all my children, the Lord, and great will be their shalom, their peace, which is a huge, huge, wonderful word, isn't it? In righteousness you'll be established, and tyranny will be far from you, and you will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. Boy, we live a different lifestyle, evidently, don't we? Wow. So many people are so afraid. And even like, it was so amazing. And we still have a little COVID hanging around, but especially at the thick of the epidemic. One of the things that was mystifying everybody, and they just excused it for just being plain dumb, stupid, ignorant, whatever, but we just couldn't work ourselves up into the lather of being terrified with this thing like everybody else. We just couldn't do it. I tried a little bit to be concerned. <laughs> I give up. We gotta meet together. Let's just get back together again, you know. I'm just I'm not I'm just not afraid of this, you know. I I I, I wanna be smart, you know, and if I have sickness or whatever, stay home, okay, that's wise, but but not this terror thing, not this intimidation thing. This smells funny. Anything that's got terror and fear on it smells funny. It should smell funny to you. I smell a rat. I smell something not right here. I smell intimidation. 
I smell the thief. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. We have sort of this kind of complex. It kind of comes from the Bible. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals in a flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail. Even if you lost your job, that will not prevail against you. Even when you're sick, it will not prevail against you. It can't hang on. It can't stay there. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you, that makes you feel bad, that makes you feel small, that makes you feel like you can't do it. This is the heritage. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the authority of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Wow. I am a magnet for God's favor. Now, this is going so good. I should just stop right here and forget it, shouldn't I? We're good. I preached a great sermon. Let's go. No, but you know, for me, I, I can't take it. i got to go on. All right, let's, let's go a little bit further then. I am a magnet for God's creativity. That sounds like a very interesting word. What do you mean God's creativity? Well, see, the force of the universe that created the universe is living in me. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of me. And so I have a tendency to think differently than everybody else. I have a tendency to think more creatively, more actively, more about the possibilities. I don't think like the rest of the world. I think also creatively in a good way, like things can be better. That we could have a new result. We can have a different result. As go in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, As God's co-workers, we urge you to not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you. In the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the day of God's favor. Now is the day of God's salvation. So we always have favor. We can be creative because we have favor. You know, it's like a musician that gets up, right? And they're really, really good, and they know it. And there's thousands of people in the audience, man. <laughs> they just fly right. They know they got favor, man. First note, everybody's singing. They're there, man. And they have a great time. It's like that. We have the favor. Think of it as the angels cheering us on, if nothing else, right? Why do I have favor? Well, here's some good reasons. Because I'm a co-worker with the creator of the universe who actually just incidentally happens to call me his friend. <laughs> he says, this is 2 Corinthians 6, 1, in case you don't believe that. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In other words, to respond to amazing grace, who you really are. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation... I helped you. I tell you now is it? Then he goes. Then you're thinking, oh, is this the time of favor? Is this the time? Is this the fine? Many times I wonder, when am I going to be favored again? Well, this guy says now is the time. Then he says, well, I don't think they believe that. Look at the very last line. I tell you, just to make sure you understand, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Even if it takes a little while to unfold, you should be declaring it now, pulling the future right into the present. I love these scriptures. They're so powerful. They're so Amazing. There's so much uh, what we're about and who we really are, right? And if you look at uh, John uh, chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. That is not that hard to do, by the way. If it was too hard, nobody would do it. And Jesus' commands are not that hard. You may have to change your mind about the goodness of God. You may have to change your mind about walking with God. But if you want to walk with God, listen, 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then you always go on these journeys. But listen, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And I've found that, that I often go on this journey of grace. So my words in me, God's saying and to ask, and I keep asking and asking. But if you notice that when you go on a journey and you're asking for a favor, God begins to adjust other things in your life. He begins to teach you things through that thing. And by the time you get to the answer, you have had more favor than you even prayed for. God wants more for you, not less. You have yourself so fixated on this one thing, and I do it all the time. But I have to remember, along the journey, I actually get things added to me all along the way. Could God be that good? Yeah, because he said, you know what? I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Well, God, if you just give me a raise at my job. Yes, that would be very, very helpful. But what about this, this, and this? Well, along the way, I'll take care of that, that, and too. Would you like a better work environment? Would you like a whole different, better place to work? Would you like your children to do well financially as well? Why about that? <laughs> right? It just keeps going on and on. So this is the truth about me. This is a sermon about who I really am and the grace that's really on me. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Ooh, I don't know. I got some pretty big desires <laughs> of your heart. You know, the more you walk with God, the more your heart gets like God's heart. And the more you find out, you know, I like the same thing He does. I really do like the same things He does. Sometimes I don't know yet, but I have to... Then over time, over many, many years ago, you know, I kind of like the same stuff you got. And you know, my desires are going to be pretty close to yours, I think. And by the time you get my age, you get better and better at it. You think, you know, I don't want that. That's stupid anyway. What would I want that for? But I really would like this. So hopefully as you go older in the grace of God, you learn the truth about yourself and the truth about God, and you start asking things. And you start getting the desires of your heart and, and you find that it's a delightful lifestyle. Yes. And when your desires and God's desires are similar, you know, He's not a spoiled sport. He said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Is that just in the Spirit? No, it's everywhere. Everywhere in your life. Peace here, peace there, wealth here, wealth there, wherever, right? Because God has plans for me, even when things are not going so well. I love some of the most favorite characters in the Bible or in the Old Testament, because... It's sort of like real life's being played out in the context of a, of a job, the context of a government, the context of being a citizen, the context of a war, right? And here's Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says he's prophesying over what's about to happen, this judgment that's coming. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Because you guys messed up and you had to have some discipline. Because if you kept going this way, you would actually totally destroy yourself and become utterly and completely corrupt. And you could never be my kids anymore. And I couldn't bless you. So I had to bring some discipline. I exiled you. But listen, I want you to know something. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, you're going to go to this place of discipline, and guess what? In that place, you're going to really start pursuing me. And when you pursue me, you're going to find that i got some really great plans for you. Really good plans for you. Oh, I love that scripture. Matter of fact, Romans 8, 28. 
And we know that in all things. How many things did I say there? Is that 75%? No. 43%? No. 95%? No. no, 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 no. Hey, you guys are a good audience. Yeah. You're playing my stupid games. All right, here we go. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Well, I'm not sure if I've been called according to His purpose. Do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Yes. Well, then you've been called according to His purpose. Anything that you're not acting like a son of God or a daughter of God, He'll help you. <laughs> because once you get the purpose straight, right, everything starts working together. Even bad stuff starts working together for your good, right? You know what bad stuff that you deserve? <laughs> you know what bad stuff to put uh, you put on your own head, do you? No, nobody wants that. Don't, don't put bad stuff on your head because all the rest of it, it begins to work. And even when you do bad stuff, like these guys, you know, I'm going to bring you back. Jeremiah is saying, you know, I'm going to bring you back. It's going to take a few years. But you know, I still got my good plans for you. I still got a good heart toward you. The older I get with kids, the more I realize the heart of God. You know, I just love my kids. No matter where they're at, what they've done, I just have this compassion for them. And that's the way God is toward us. They might make a mistake here or there or whatever, but still there's that thing in there, you know? The thing that I'm not too far away from, of compassion, that's the way the Father is. And it's just so amazing. He's big enough to cause all things to work together for my good. Even my bonehead mistakes, any, even the wanderings, even the stupid stuff I did. He takes that bad thing, like Joseph, even my own failures and mistakes, and he makes it turn out for my good. Can you believe that? That's quite a contract you got with God going there, right? You mess up. You repent, you say, I did it, uh, I take it, I make it better, right? Turn it into something good. Because, you know what? I'm God's handiwork, created to do good works that God prepared in advance for me to do. It's amazing. I'm created for good works that actually God even knew about it. For we are God's handiwork. When you were born, He knew about this. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and He prepared in advance for you to do them. For you to do them. Isn't that an amazing thing? He, you wonder why we get depressed. All these scriptures, you realize the truth about us. It's just that we have to remember the truth about me, the truth about us. This is the truth. This is what's real. The rest of it's not real. Whatever's not in the scripture, whatever's not in the will of God, it's not real. It doesn't bless you, right? Because you know what else? I am a magnet for God's wisdom. You know what? In this time, I think that it's a time for us to really declare that. We have to really understand that others may not be a magnet for wisdom, but we are because who's living inside of us? the smartest person in the universe, right? Because he promises this for all believers, no matter what the situation. I will instruct you, this is Psalm 32:8, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with what kind of eye on you? My loving eye on you. So I'm going to give you loving counsel. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they not come to you. Have to be disciplined, have to have something bad or I don't come, right? Why? Let's do this other way. I think it's better. Do not be like that. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I think maybe there might be some people that are wondering, God, which way should I go? What's the wisdom for my children? Which is the way should I move? Should I stay? Am I? How many need instruction in the way you should go? Just raise your hand real quickly. So Lord, look at all these people. Wow. I think there's a few instructions that are necessary here, Lord. So judging by the crowd here, probably everybody in the live stream is raising their hand too. I declare over you today, God will instruct you. We receive your instruction. We declare, Lord, that you're going to teach us 
the way we should go about this problem and about that problem. And we believe and trust you right now. Lord, keep our faith strong. So as we're going through the tunnel, we're going to the other side that will we'll stay true, Lord, and we'll keep listening to you. And I declare that you're not only going to counsel, give us instruction, but you're going to counsel us with compassion, with your loving eye on us. In Hawaii, I learned something really early. They called it the stink eye. I don't want no stink eye on me, right? You look at somebody that weird eye, and they call it the stink eye. That's from the devil. That's from the dark side. God gives you the loving eye, not the stink eye, right? All right. I'm sure everybody needed to hear that. <laughs> You know what else? God's anointing teaches me to obey His commands. And because His anointing comes, I'll always be the head and not the tail. You know what happens? It's His anointing. That's the Spirit of God inside of you. That's what 1 John 2.27 says. His anointing teaches us about all things. The Spirit of God is in schools, always in session. If you care to listen, He's always teaching you. Some of us get in so much despair over the problem that we're in that we close our ears and we think teaching's not in session, school's out. There's nothing else to learn. No, 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 no. School is always in session. It's the one school you want to be in. So don't close your ears because he's always teaching. Why? Because you have the Spirit of God inside. And the Bible says his anointing, the oil of God, the, he can't help but teach you and instruct you. That's a real relief, especially when you need some important information, right? Look what Deuteronomy 28, 7 to 14 says. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. This is the, this is the calling, this is the anointing of the people of God. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns, on everything you put your hand to. If you want this that I'm praying here through the scripture, you might want to raise your hand at this moment. Say, Lord, put both your hands up. Might be good. I, I'd, like a, <laughs> I'd like two bowls full of this. All right, here we go. All right? Listen to this. And some are going like this, sort of cool. You know. But inside you're dying. Oh, God, please. But you're kind of cool. Okay, you could be cool. It's all right. It doesn't matter. He sees the little hand and he sees the big hand. All right, here we go. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord will bless you when you, you in the land He is giving to you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised you on oath. If you keep the commandments of the Lord and walk in obedience to Him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. All the people of Lugan and Agel will see that you're called by the name of the Lord. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of the bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Oh, I like that one a lot. I like the head and not the tail. I don't want to be the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you'll always be at the top Never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or the left, following other gods and serving them. Lord, keep us from other gods, even other gods that we don't know. Lord, I'm, I don't like other gods. They don't give me any comfort, any help in any way, Lord. Just pray, keep me from that. And then this from Deuteronomy. I want to read this from Deuteronomy 30, just in case if you thought it might be a little difficult what we're talking about here. Now, what I commend you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. 
Everything I just said. It's just a couple of chapters later. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. This goodness of the Lord, the good supply, the what He wants to do for you, you don't have to jump over mountains in a single bound, you know. You don't have to do amazing things, fast for days and days and days, you know, over that, you know. You know, you could fast and pray and not have a bit of faith. <laughs> but what if you fast and pray and you have faith? Ooh, then you're really loaded. Then you're really ready to go, right? But either way, it's up to faith. It's faith. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it. You don't have to jump over. Then you have to do serious things and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it. No, proclaim it to us so we, so we may obey it. No, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. That's the word of God. But when you obey it, guess what happens? See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, and to keep His commands, decrees, and laws. Then you'll live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. That sounds so good. Lord, I declare a blessing over all the lands we're entering to possess. The dreamlands that we all have for us, the territory that we really want to go into in this new year, I declare the blessing of the Lord over it. I declare this is not far away. It's in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit. And you're not far away because all I have to do is call out to the living God in faith. And you will shape the circumstances over time. Sometimes you do it quickly, but over time. Because you're the one that said, John 10.10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Speaking of that, this last couple of points. I am a magnet for God's love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. I'm not just anybody. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. If you have children, you know how special that is. If you have children that you love and cherish, how would you treat them? Or maybe you don't have children, but maybe you have a parent or a loved one or someone that you love, right? So it's the same thing, right? So we understand that's love. Sometimes God's a little distant. But here's something that the Spirit helps us out with. I love to teach on this, and I love to experience this. This is absolutely possible to experience, and this is part of my Life in the Spirit class. I'll talk about this a lot. I try to spend a couple of weeks on this, because most people want to know about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit and about demons and weird stuff like angels. So we cover some of that, but what they don't know is that the most amazing place of all, where all the action is, is when you experience the love of God in a very personal way. You hear Him call your name, and you feel like there's some kind of divine hug resting on you. That's the most amazing thing. And that's what the Spirit provides. So we know about revelation, we know about prayer, we know about leading, we know about power, but what about this internal thing? A lot of people give up on this, they don't understand. It's one of the hallmarks of our church to to heighten this, to make a people aware of this. Look at the Scripture says, Romans 8, 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. I know the Spirit's inside of me. But have you got this part? Have you received this part? The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That's what fear does. It has this way of yanking you around by your nose and leading you to places of despair and, and difficulty, right, in your mind. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. In other words, when you get close to God, you feel the adoption. 
You feel the power, but you also feel the sonship. The very sonship that says, Abba, Father, and that word is Daddy. Abba, it's like Daddy, Daddy. God's not just your father, but he's your daddy. He's dad. Some of us didn't have such great dads, so it's hard to identify sometimes. But we all know what the concept is and what the concept should be, right? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's kids. And that word is the word for martyr, a strong word. Testify, the word martyr. It's a strong testimony with our spirit that we're God's kids. This is available to you. You just have to believe that it's available to you. But God wants to testify in your heart that, he's, that you're his kid. Ask him to do it. Ask him to give a strong testimony. Yeah. Lord, if, to do that, you've got to let go of something else. Lord, I'm going to let go of that stinky, terrible thinking. That violence that's been in my heart, that unforgiveness has been in my heart, that fear, who needs it? Lord, I throw it all away. Lord, I just want love. Just bring your love. You think the Father's up to saying, no, I'm not going to give you any love. Do you think he would use the crucifixion of his son like that? No, he did that for us because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. The love didn't stop just with a distant event, even a distant event in your own life when you got saved. Matter of fact, I find the love of God grows more and more every day in my life. Why is that? Because actually I become more and more aware of it because I've been learning this, focused on this part of God, taking this promise. One of the deepest promises of God you could ever have is to believe in His love. When you get that right, everything else seems to flow in place because you're expecting something good and God loves to bring good things to people that are expecting good it's a relational issue but it's in his father's heart because you know what no one can separate me from the love of Christ what then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, and is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. He's praying for us. That we'll get it right. That we'll get through this situation that we're in. That we'll get to this place of compassion and love for others and for him and this whole wonderful integration of our life with his who shall separate us from the love of Christ <laughs> no way trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword no as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered but no no we're not like that we're not worried about that no and everything no matter what comes all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us why are we conquerors? Why do we navigate life so well? Because we know there's an authority beyond us, an authority that loves us so dearly, a, a covering for us, a covering that is just a prayer away, a covering that cared so much for us that he died and shed his blood for us, that he said and invited us into this great testimony of love. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. If you look at the bottom of your outline, just want to quote First Thessalonians 5, 60, 18. Therefore, let's all stand. 
I want you to say this with me, okay? And if I could have the musicians come up. You know it would be great today? This last day of the year as we're going to the new year. I think it would be a great thing to do as for you to respond in faith these things I've been saying and everyone has your own little things that are particularly getting your goat maybe you're particularly worried about concerned about would it be today on this almost the first of the year declare God's love over yourself declare God's authority over yourself look at that thing that's been intimidating you for the last several months or years right in the face to say, you know, this doesn't intimidate me. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And to declare a different result oh, yes. with the Lord. Right? You, Lord. And you know what? Some of you might want to just do that up in the front. So if you want to do that up in the front, why don't you just come up here? Wherever you are, just come up. You just want to just declare the goodness of the Lord over your life today. You don't have to come. But if you'd like to, just come. And maybe there might be a person that come up beside you and pray with you a little bit. Maybe not. But if a person comes to stand by you or to put his hand on your shoulder or her hand on your shoulder, just just think, thank you, Lord, for that person that's agreeing with me for the very things that I'm agreeing in Jesus. If you're sitting next to or standing next to your wife, why don't you go grab her hand if you have something. I know none of you have any problems, but just in case there might be a problem or two, you might want to hold a person's hand, maybe your spouse's hand next to you if you like, as a prayer of agreement, right? Just look at the last line in your outline. Therefore, I will be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for me in Christ Jesus. Oh, that sounds so good. i got to say that again. Therefore, I, it's on the bottom of your outline. You can read it with me, okay? I will be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for me in Christ Jesus. Amen. Lord, I just pray you would come now. I pray we'd favor physically, favor emotionally. We declare the favor of God over our children, over our finances, over wisdom that we need for difficult decisions. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I say yes? Do I say no? What's the wise course of action as I move into this new year? Lord, I declare that all things are working together for my good because I'm called according to your purpose. So as we sincerely agree here in prayer and just do a little work at the altar, we don't have to do anything, don't have to top, jump over a tall mountain. I just come clearly before the Lord. Lord, hear us today. And I pray, Lord, as we end this time, I pray, God, you would reinforce the truth about me and my walk with you and who I really am in Jesus name so we're going to have a lot of prayer going on up here Um, I'm going to wander around I can see a couple of people I'd like to pray for today and somebody comes up to you just stay here while Chris plays he'll be here for another hour or so 
His wife almost fainted back there. I'll be here for another three or four minutes, five minutes, whatever he wants. But just stay in this atmosphere and do some business with the Lord before you go, all right? And maybe somebody might walk up, or you might walk up to someone and say, would you please pray for me? All right? God bless you. Amen.